You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you today? Oh, Glory. As usual, I am fantastic. But I am thinking about something, Glory. You know, we have someone in our family that is dealing with cancer. And I think a lot of families out there are dealing or have dealt with cancer. And one of the challenges is, is that there's not some solutions to these things. There's still some long clinical trials and things that are still trying to bring drugs to market that might save lives. But we're still not there yet. And yet we have all these things around us, such as 3D printing, artificial intelligence, and we're moving in this pathway. Are these things going to help us get there faster? Creating a new drug actually is very time consuming. It has a drug discovery to see, identify and validate the potential drug. Then we have to go to preclinical research with the, and the laboratory test, animal testing. And then we have to go critical to trial phase one, phase two, phase three, which is the human testing. And after all of them, then you need to go regulatory approval. All of them is very time consuming and super expensive. And each phase, if you fail, you have to back to the previous phase and test again. So imagine you're testing a drug on an animal and it failed. Or you test some drugs on a human, again, it fails. So maybe it has a side effect. So there's a lot of risk and very expensive. So maybe there is some other technology can help us to improve the process, reduce the time, reduce the failing risk, reduce the harmful uh, process, and also the cost. So let's welcome Dr. Kevin Voss, Director of Strategic Alliance from Waxel Bioinnovation. Yes, welcome to another episode of Innovation Fuel brought to you by University Canada West. We are so excited to have my friend Kevin Voss here from Vox Cell Bio Innovations, and they are doing some exciting things, maybe around the world of 3D printing, and maybe saving lives doing this element, or future saving lives if we go down this path. But before we get into this, we need to know a little bit more about our friend Kevin. Kevin, tell us a little bit about you. How, who are who is Kevin, and, and why Vox Cell? Very excited to be here today. So my name is Kevin Voss. I was born and raised here in Victoria, BC, so very close to Vancouver. And uh, I grew up here. I did an undergraduate degree in biochemistry at the University of Victoria, and that led right into doing PhD in chemistry also at the University of Victoria. That's actually where I met the CEO and, and founder of Voxel Bioinnovation, Carolina Valente. We were doing our PhD and we had some shared lab space. Uh, when she integrated the company, I, uh, I went away and I did a postdoctoral research fellowship with the World Health Organization through the University of Calgary on a project to do with COVID. Uh, and then when that contract was up, I came back and was asked to join the team and started as a sort of a tissue engineering scientist on a, on a small grant. Um, as, as a startup company, you can leverage a lot of different grants from provincial and federal governments to help you get off the ground. And from there grew to be the, the technical lead in the company as the director of preclinical R&D and more recently have transitioned to more strategic alliances and business development within Voxel. So 
Yeah. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit more about Voxel. Like you, 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 what we, I understand you're in the world of the bioprinting element and the bioprinting in the 3D. But tell us what is your unique offering to the market here? What we're tackling is the high capital expenditure and high failure rate of drug development for pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies. What we see right now is that the failure rate of getting a drug to the market is higher than 95%. And for every one and for every drug that you get to the market, you're spending, depending on your therapeutic area, between $800 million and $2 billion. So if you ever wondered why drugs cost so much, not only in a short time span, you have to make back your money on the one that worked, you're also covering the cost of the 95% that didn't. So really what Voxel is creating is we're creating a platform that can identify the winners and losers in drug development earlier in the process, before you're going and testing on animals, before you're going and testing in humans. So really... The largest offering that we can put forward to the pharmaceutical companies is really providing a platform that allows them to fail early and fail fast with also having a very human-like platform that allows them to, to gain clinical insights into how a therapeutic is working on a piece of human tissue and give some insights into how that is going to work. So what, what we've done to create that platform is we actually developed Canada's first high-resolution 3D bioprinter. So the resolution of our bioprinter is actually 500 nanometers. And what's really important about that number is it's about 600 times higher resolution than your average bioprinter that you're going to find on the market. But we create structures that are 10 to 20 times smaller than the smallest blood vessel in your body. So that's where our tissue models become really cool is that we can design these what are essentially artificial biopsy samples that have capillary-sized blood vessels in them that allow these therapeutic developers to inject their, their candidate directly into it and analyze how not only how that therapeutic interacts with cells, but how is it moving through blood vessels? How is it getting into the surrounding tissue? That's really what our goal is, to, is to provide a more human-like platform, can pick winners and losers earlier before you're testing on animals and people. That's a great concept. And I think that what you mentioned about pre-testing and er- earlier stage before going to animal, I think there is a huge ethical dilemma that we are dealing with, that you're reducing all those risks for animal and human. Before I even jump into our products, we're actually in a really interesting space in this sort of 3D bioprinting, but there are other products out on the market called organoids or, or even organ on a chip. So we don't have any direct competitor in our, our actual tissue models, but there are people who are trying to solve the same problem from a different angle. We're in a really cool spot because largely in a lot of industries, you may hear that government regulation can kill innovation in some respects, but it's very different in our field right now. At the end of 2021, uh, there was the FDA Modernization Act was introduced in the States, and it finally got passed in, in 2022. And it actually removed the animal model mandate for taking a drug to the clinic. It removed the words of needing to test on animals, and now it's just non-clinical tests. And bioprinted models are actually listed as one of the alternatives. Health Canada just made the move to, to stop cosmetic testing on animals. And this sort of preclinical drug development will follow and the EU is doing the same. So not only do we have the ability to answer a lot of these ethical issues, the governments are actually starting to step in and you're starting to see a huge amount of investment moving into these non-animal tests that can be more predictive 
I do believe right now that we're in a position to really help out in some of those therapeutic areas that largely need to make the jump to animals earlier than other other areas in the ability to look at some of what we call efficacy. So is the drug actually killing the cells? Is it doing what it's supposed to be doing? We can screen some of those initial tests immediately. However, the field as a whole needs to be a little bit careful on how how hard we oversell our ability to, to get rid of models. So there definitely is that endorsement. And I would say that in the next three to five years, the field itself could be in a position to maybe eliminate 30% of those animal model tests. It would be a huge success. That being said, I think we're probably about 10 years away from having the sophistication that we can really fully replace animal models and and really de-risk those clinical trials. And I think it's because some of the things that you can't garner right now is sort of that whole system integration. So yes, you've developed a therapeutic for breast cancer, but what's happening in the heart? What's happening in the kidney? What does that actually do to the liver? So sort of the whole body health is something that's still going to take some innovation for us to fully be able to tap in the market. You can have removed the animal testing, but how much is going to be reliable because the side effect of the drugs also needs to be tested, right? So as you mentioned, it's a very earlier stage of the testing of a drug. But then after that, still, we need to have the animal testing or human testing as well. How it sort of sits right now is you're seeing different companies tackle it in different ways, but there's not only efficacy, but then there's more the safety side, which is more toxicity. And really where you're going to see us be able to fully move to a place where maybe we don't need to deal with animal models at all is when you start linking these models together, have the ability to flow through, but okay, we're going to flow it through a liver sample because that's where a lot of your metabolism happens. That's where all your toxic metabolites are going to be generated. We're going to go through a liver, then it's going to flow directly through a lung sample, through a heart sample, then through your target sample, which might be breast cancer. It might be prostate cancer, whatever it is. So when you get to the stage where our models can become complex enough that we can start linking together different tissues throughout the human body, where we're going to be able to start to say, okay, we're approaching the point where it's reliable enough that those animals don't need to be tested on anymore and we're confident enough to jump into humans. It's going to be one of those things where the translation between animal data and the human clinic currently is less than 8%. These models are not good models, and especially when you're looking at sort of the new wave of therapeutics, it's really focused on uh, immunotherapies. So I know with COVID, you probably heard about monoclonal antibody treatments, those type of things. Those are much, much harder to model in animals, especially in mice. We call them sort of PDX models, patient-derived models, and they don't have immune systems in them. So you can't really model an immune system therapy in a platform that doesn't have an immune system to it. That's sort of where it's going. That's sort of the 10-year dream is is putting yourself in a position where you can start to link these models together. And that's where you're going to start to see the real phase out. And my next question was related to government and regulator body. I mean, uh, yes, as you mentioned, there is a huge opportunity in the government body. However, also government is responsible to make sure the medication they are bringing to the market is reliable and been tested enough. Is there any opportunity or any uh, incentives from government to help you to expand your research? 
Yes. So there are a lot of clean tech and and sort of sustainability development grants that, that are coming in to bring to this platform. I, I think largely where the innovation is going to be fueled for is the pressure on the sort of regulatory entity, pressure on Health Canada, pressure on the FDA to push companies to find these new technologies, right? So technologies like ours are much quicker and much cheaper than animal models. So at first, now that they've said you don't have to use animal models, the pharmaceutical companies are out there and they're looking for those innovative technologies that can accelerate development. However, the next step is going to be what happens when animal models are completely banned? What happens when they come in and they say, you can't do this anymore. So you better find the technologies that can give you enough reliable data that the FDA is going to say, okay, now you can put this in a human. So I, I think that there are grants available and there is the ability to go down sort of that clean tech sustainability side of things. But the real innovator here is going to be driven by pressure from governments to force pharmaceutical companies to find alternatives. The evolution of what happened with the pandemic leveraged this a bit more because you talked about governments changing, FDA changing, Canadian government changing. And it seems like there might have been some influence from having wanted to solve the pandemic issue and that kind of opened doors. I wouldn't say fully into our space. I think that we will get a side effect of it in that I, I think there are a couple things that came out with the, the COVID vaccine. So it wasn't just the generation of these new mRNA vaccines that I know there's a lot of stuff flying around in the news, but the reality is mRNA-based vaccines and mRNA-based treatments are going to be game changers in the entire therapeutic industry in the next 20 years. But they also, something that's very popular in Vancouver, because I mean, Peter Cullis, who, who developed this, this technology back in the day, is these sort of lipid nanoparticle systems that are essentially what you could be defined as is a tiny little cell that is a carrier for these mRNA vaccines. And one of the biggest parts of them is how are they delivered to different tissues and, and all of that type of stuff. And you can't model that in anything except an animal model, except for a product like ours. So we may benefit from some of the technological advancements, but this actual animal model drug discovery side of things, I, I don't think saw much of an effect from, from the COVID side of things. Other than shining light on life sciences. I think that that's the first time that pharmaceutical companies have largely stayed in the background and they're sort of these dark, large enterprises that no one really knows what they do, but you know they create medicines and make billions and billions of dollars and all that type of stuff. But it was the first time that sort of life sciences was front and center solving a world problem in real time. I think you're definitely seeing the benefits of that in Canada. I mean, BC's life sciences sector is growing like a weed. It's it's one of the fastest growing sectors in all of Canada. So may, maybe in that sense. So like okay, so Kevin, we you have a, a you know a, uh, like you have I think you have a product that's coming to market this coming year at the end of this year. You were talking about I think going through that process of bringing problem resolution and problem resolution is you know I think you have a different approach, Kevin, to that element. And I think you know when we talk about okay, we have a solution in the market, we're running at the solution, we're promoting the solution, but I. I think you might do something a little bit different. I think you might talk to about the problem with the customer first. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to that first product. Absolutely. So we had this idea of creating very standardized tissue models, these vascularized models. And we know we had the hardware. We know we had the software. We know we had the ability to create something great. However, one thing that you always have to make sure that you're doing is that you're not just creating something 
beautiful that no one has any use for. You don't want to be in a position where you create something great and you're like, oh, look how cool this is. Look at what it can do. But it actually doesn't solve a problem for anyone. That's not a viable business in itself. So one thing that we did and it ended up changing, we added capabilities to it. We actually changed our business model slightly out of this is we made sure that we did over 60 hours of market assessment to large pharmaceutical companies, small pharmaceutical companies, biotechs, contract research organizations. And the first round of it was sort of a, here's what we have, what do you think? And I think that that was actually a little bit too, a little bit too simplistic on how we did it. But what we ended up doing is we did, our, our second round was much more focused and we made sure we talked to Moderna, to GSK, Johnson Johnson many a times to Chinook Therapeutics. And really what we want to know is we have a brand new methodology. We have a brand new approach to tackling a problem. But there are other things out there. I mentioned the organoids, the organs on a chip who, who are trying to tackle that same problem in a different way. So what we actually did is we created a small survey that was really meant to be a 15 minute call with all these people to find out What's their experience using sort of these 3D platforms? What's good about them to make sure that we maintain that in our product? What's bad about them to make sure we avoid it? What do you wish you were able to do? What do you currently do on it that you really like? What do you think it's missing? So what we made sure was that while we were building this product, we had a we had a, a good idea of what it was going to look like. But we made sure that the biggest players in the field told us exactly how they wanted to use it, exactly what they needed to see, exactly what our validation package needed to look like. And that put us in a better position to not only are we already having these conversations, but now when we when we're going to the end of this year, and we're building partnerships, we're saying, hey, remember us, like you helped design this product here. And now it's here. So have a look and, and let's do something together. So our approach was to find out from everyone we possibly could anyone who had listened to us, we still do it all the time. I, I spend a huge amount of time always going to conferences, having conversations within networks and finding out what do you need to see? What do you want to see to have this product in your market? So that, yeah, we, we didn't want to be left with these really pretty customized tissue models that no one wanted to buy because we didn't think about what the end consumer would be using them for. That is very interesting because still we have some industry or pharmaceutical that is still like the uh, traditional approach, animal testing. So how are you going to sell your customized tissue to them? It was actually pretty shocking to find when we were doing this market assessment was one, one of the first questions is, do you use any 3D platforms right now? And it was actually pretty shocking to see how many just use the Petri dish test, jump into animals. And we know it's out there. We know how we have to start. We're really interesting in finding out more. But doing the market assessment and traveling around actually changed our entire sales strategy as well. Because what it did was we had this idea of creating these vascularized models, doing a, a direct cons to consumer, direct to, to business sale um, and have sort of a, a price that we would sell it at and we would fulfill orders. And it becomes very clear that not everyone's tackling the same issue within breast cancer. Not everyone's looking at exactly the same thing within prostate cancer. And so how we started to transition is we do less volume but more concentrated, 
higher priced models with specific companies. So we're now doing more of like a B2B deals where we work with your scientific team to design what the vasculature is going to look like, what cell lines you want to have in there. What does this model actually look like when you get there? So our sales strategy has really shifted from a selling this as a shotgunning it out there as a consumable to doing what much more focused B2B deals for specific contracts to fulfill pipelines for pharmaceutical companies or biotechs. Yeah, I think so. But how much the public awareness can support you? Because, for example, if I feel that it's a reliable medication, which has been tested a lot, but using is not animal testing, how I mean, the society can support this movement? I know this is a lot of ethical concern and issues here. Part of our validation studies, and and I think that this is really where we're building out that faith, is not only are we showing that this performs like a piece of human tissue, but a big chunk of what we're doing is we're actually going back and we're finding drugs that made it all the way through and got into the clinic and then failed in phase two or phase three clinical trials and bring them back and say, okay, now we're going to show that we could have done that failure earlier. I, I think from a public perception perspective, you can have more confidence if something was tested in our platform that it was done correctly and maybe not as many animals were used and and it has a higher indication of working when you get to the clinic. I think for therapeutics, if I'm being completely honest, most people probably still take what the doctor tells them, right? So we we have the ability to to have a a very strong play and we, we have the ability to have public supports saying that technologies like Voxel is what we want to see used in preclinical development. However, I think that there's still a lot of freedom within therapeutics that for a lot of people, they go to the doctor and if they say, you have this cancer, this is your best treatment option. I'm not sure there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to say, well, did Voxel test it for them? So um, being sort of in that preclinical space, I'm not sure we're going to get a huge groundswell in that regard, but there's definitely the ability to provide faith in therapeutics that get used in our platform. So, Kevin, what does the future look like for Voxel? Where are you going? You're going to product launch, new product coming to market at the end of this year. Yeah, so it's a good question. Uh, We have many of ideas and there's a lot of cool places that this can go. I, I think that really important for a startup company for us right now is really being laser focused on what are our goals for sort of one to two years versus what do we envision going forward. So the one to two year sort of goal where we're going is to become the global standard in tissue engineering and these development of these vascularized products. So really become the best in the world, the gold standard at providing these very reliable, very complex models for testing. Beyond that, it gets it gets a bit more interesting because there's avenues you can go. There's there's the ability to integrate ourselves to be a little bit of a service. So not just selling the models, but doing screen for people is a is a possibility. We're also looking into partnerships where there may be drugs that the pipeline stopped for whatever reason and, and being able to form a partnership with people to see if we can take that forward. And also the personalized medicine. And I think that this is the biggest one for us. So really what we see is that if you can culture a cell in a lab, we can print it into a tissue model. And our software is becoming so advanced that we're actually working on a project right now where our software engineers are able to take a micro CT scan of a patient, drop it into our software, and directly print that patient's 
vasculature and cells directly into our models. And really what's so exciting about that is being in a position where a doctor can give us a, a biopsy sample in the CT scan and say, hey, we have someone with stage three breast cancer. Here's what the tumor looks like. Here's their cells. We have four different treatment options. We want to see like what is actually going to help this person. Being able to create models specifically for that person and print them and then come back to them and say option D and B definitely won't work. C shows some promise, but option A looks like it should be a very successful treatment. So I think that that's one that really excites us is the the ability to be sort of in this screening personalized medicine space where everyone's disease is a little bit different. So if we can get their cells, we can we can print an actual biopsy sample from them and we can help doctors make decisions on what's going to help that patient recover fastest. I, I think that that's really what excites us. What we're seeing, Gloria, is this amazement of what technology can do. It's insane. Like we, we, we're all, all of us are. I'm sure all of us have had someone in our family that has has experienced cancer or experiencing cancer. And to be able to see what the possibilities of being able to see how can we find new solutions to maybe help put us on the pathway to a cure. But before we go, Kevin, before we wrap up today's episode, we need you to give us a challenge. We need you to throw out a challenge to our students either micro, macro challenge, whatever you think that we should be thinking about. You know what? So from what I'm hearing here, our approach of going to the market is is very, very different. So I'm actually going to throw out a challenge that doesn't have to be specific to Voxel. It can be specific to maybe a company idea you have or a company you work for. What I would put out as a challenge is come up with a two-page uh, sort of MVP sort of product description. And then once you have that, develop five quick targeted questions that you could ask someone that would help you position your product in the field and try and interview someone with those where you give them the product profile, give them 30 minutes to review it, and then in 15 minutes, gather all the information that you need for, for your product. That was great, Kevin. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Field. Thank you for listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel. 